0: Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome
1: back to Welfare, the running podcast with me, Amy Lane. On this show, we tackle the common concerns that often trip up us runners or cause us to stumble, whilst also welcoming special guests to hear how running helps them get the most out of life. Today, though, it's time for an expert chat. Coming up is a deep dive into how you can get more out of your running, whether that's getting faster, going further or getting leaner by eating better. Yes, guys, we're going to sink our teeth into the mighty topic of how best to fuel your fitness. Over the years, and especially around this time of year, the message that running leads to weight loss is shouted from the rooftops. However, what I often see missing from the before and after stories or run-to-lose training plans and headlines touting the weight loss effects of running is why clocking more miles alone isn't always enough to feel your best. Food does play a major role. To help us understand why being a runner shouldn't give you carte blanche to eat whatever you want, is Rhiannon Lambert. As one of the UK's leading registered nutritionists and founder of private clinic Retrition in London's Harley Street, she leads a team specialising in sports nutrition, weight management, disordered eating and pre and postnatal nutrition. Over the years, Rhiannon's published books and eBooks, including Renourish, A Simple Way to Eat Well and more recently, A Simple Way to Fuel Your Fitness. She regularly shares recipes and a look into her own pantry via Instagram and hosts her own podcast, Food for Thought, that simplifies wellness on a weekly basis. Work aside, she's one of the most positive humans I've come across. So if you're feeling a bit mentally and physically sluggish right now, then this chat is for you. Let's get Rhiannon on the phone to find out why we shouldn't be trying to outrun a bad diet and actually what eating well in 2021 looks like. Hi, Rhiannon. Welcome to WellFar. Hello. Hi. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. I know how busy life is for you. I've recently just started the whole juggle of motherhood and working and fitness. And it is tough, hey? Yeah. I mean, it's
0: something I completely underestimated when I was pregnant. You know, I think until you actually have a baby, it's very difficult naturally to put yourself in that position. And
1: once you're in it, it's literally every day a survival mode, isn't it? Oh my gosh. So survival mode. That is exactly what it is. That leads me nicely on to the topic of today's show because surviving chaos, is something I think a lot of people will know a lot about from the past year. And one of the things which always seems to go out of the window when life gets a bit chaotic, it seems, is good food choices. Yeah, Like even if we make it out for a run or to do some exercise, it feels like maybe food choices sacrifice. And after doing my research and listening to your podcast and reading your books, I know that actually if we can nail our nutrition, we can get much more out of our exercise.
0: Yeah, I mean, 100%. That's why I'm so happy to be able to talk to you about this topic. I think it's something that is taken for granted a lot of the time. But actually, if you really put the nitty gritty work into it, you can get really great results from it.
1: Can we start at the very beginning then and just talk about what a basic nutritious diet should look like? Because over the years, the media has obsessed over one element, I think, of a diet. And actually, maybe we don't all know what should be in a diet overall.
0: Yeah, no, 100%. I think it's a really good place to start. The difficulty with it is because everybody's obviously so unique Mm -hmm. and that's the the difficulty is that public health nutrition guidelines and then of course sports nutrition guidelines are very much a general bit of advice whereas tailoring what works for you is different. So a nutritious diet to you, Amy, may look completely different to what a nourishing, nutritious diet would look like to me. And then you've got cultural aspects to throw on top of that. You've got where you live, your demographic, your environment, what access to food that you have. And all of that can dictate what type of nutritious diet you have. But ultimately, I would say it's a diet that... Generally speaking, includes all the food groups, your carbs, your proteins, your fats, your fruit and your vegetables, and of course, getting it in the right quantity that works for you. I like to talk about the two Qs, the quality and the quantity of your diet. I think that's a real good take home. And anything that keeps you optimally healthy, if you find you are someone who doesn't feel like they have any energy, perhaps you're unable to focus, you get sick a lot. Diet may not be the only thing, it could be something else, but it's definitely worth looking at your nutrition just to see if you're getting enough optimal nutrition in.
1: Because there's that age-old phrase, you are what you eat. And Mm. is there truth in that? Or, I mean... (laughs)
0: It's a very small bit of truth.
1: (laughs) Obviously, (laughs) what
0: you eat will have an influence on so many parts, but nutrition is only one cog in the wheel. You've got sleep, you've got movement, you've got genetic factors, lifestyle factors, so many things, stress, relationships in your life, your mental health, all of these things make up one big wheel. And nutrition, of course, is one,
1: one fraction of that. And so when people come into your clinic, or you assess them virtually at the moment, I'm assuming, where do you kind of start with assessing how? I don't know whether to use the term good or bad diet, to be honest. Where's the starting point for assessing how nutritious somebody's diet is?
0: So first of all, you're right in the language has become such a contentious topic or point of Mm -hmm. conversation when discussing nutrition information. I think good and bad, of course, nothing, the problem is nothing is bad. But that being said, I think it's something everybody understands that, of course, you would put a diet, if you just ate chocolate bars all day, that's not good, that's bad. I think that's a, that's a very basic way of looking at it and distinguishing it. But ultimately, there's a optimal healthy nutrition plan and a less optimally healthy one. So where we would start, it's actually really sad, Amy, that we're all virtual. I mean, it, it's fine, it works, and the clinic is really sadly really busy, I would say, actually, because of relationships with food in lockdown. And we've we've really had to hire new members to the team this year, particularly to cope with the demand. But we have an hour with our clients one-to-one. I get to the bottom of their relationship with food, how they see the world of food, what they've been through in their life, uh, their family health history. I get to look at their daily activity, their goals, what shaped everything when it comes to their nutrition, even as far as were they breastfed as a baby, were they not? Mm. What's their gut health looking like? All of this dictates how you look at someone's diet. So if you're able to get access to that type of service, it's great. But if you don't, you can definitely start by keeping a food and mood diary. And I think that's one of the best bits of advice that I could give to any one of your listeners is that it's something I write about in my first book, Renourish, because Mm. if you don't, remove those thoughts from your head put them down and have a look at it and rationalize it you can really internalize decisions you make around food and you may not even be aware that you're not making the best choices for you really that's we're all humans we we just crack on don't we
1: sometimes yeah because I think also we can be guilty of doing what others do just because it's what you are exposed to whether that is on social media or in real life because you hear somebody say I've tried insert diet, and I've lost weight or I've done this. And so you immediately do it yourself. But actually, perhaps you don't have an awareness of what you're doing in the first place before making that big choice.
0: Oh, yeah, I have to say the anecdotal, it worked for me, it worked for you. I I mean, January is a classic time of year, every year where I see more of this than ever, ever before people making money or releasing new diet programs. This is what I did. It'll work for you too. It's just not the case. It doesn't take into account so many factors. And I think we're all worth a lot more. I think we all deserve a unique approach in in my dreamland. Everyone would have access to a nutritionist, Amy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Can I be at the top of that queue? (laughs) (laughs) Do you know, I, I
0: do think, wouldn't it be amazing if we all had a doctor, a nutritionist, a psychologist, a PT, like everybody in the country, that would be unreal.
1: My friends and I actually played the game the other day of if you suddenly found yourself with millions of pounds, what's the first help that you would get within your life? And mine genuinely was a chef love, because I think that actually I am quite time poor a lot of the time. And so, as I said earlier on, healthy food choices go out of the window when I'm in a rush Um, and I'm learning now to do more food quickly, which is healthy. But I do find that actually when I'm time poor and I'm tired, I just reach for cake. I reach for sugar. I reach for easy things.
0: Yeah, I mean, we we all do. We all do it. And it's actually okay to acknowledge sometimes that that can serve a purpose sometimes. And if, if you don't allow yourself a little bit of what you fancy, it becomes a nightmare and we can end up overeating on them. But yeah. I mean, it's not the best way to live life. If, if This is where I see a big problem with the world of nutrition, the world I work in. is, that I think so much of it is so inaccessible because of that. And I know what it's like to be time poor. Practically all I ate when I first had my baby as well was just tray bakes every single night, tray bake, tray bake, tray bake, because I had no time. I just wanted to quickly shove something in the oven and leave it and tend to my child. And it's there at the end of the day. A chef is a good one. I don't know what I would have Oh, it's such a good question. I think, to be honest, I'd love to have a cleaner every single day. It just goes to show that I'm messy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So earlier on, you mentioned about this time of year and nutrition being such a big topic because of weight loss. Before we actually sink our teeth into the other kind of subsections of today's show, can I just ask you about what are the other benefits that people can feel and they can recognize from eating healthily? Because I think obviously weight loss is just one of them. So it'd be good to talk about those other benefits first.
0: Thank you. Can I just say for this question? Because too often, nutrition is just linked to weight. And it is so much more than that. It can be your mood. So how happy you feel every day, your productivity, your concentration, your sleep quality, how well you sleep at night, how motivated you can feel to exercise. It can make such a difference. I mean, you can be a happier person and a healthier person too. If you eat well, you'll be less likely to get sick. Of course, you're, you're a keen runner. You'll perform better with your exercise. There, there's so much more to it. And then of course, how long you live, nutrition and how we eat has been linked to um, better health outcomes long term, longevity with life and vitality. It's, it really is your very core being up. Well, I'm a nutritionist, of course I'm going to say that, but I I do believe it can have a huge impact in so many areas.
1: My great nan died last year at 103, so she holds the PB in my family. So I'm chasing that longevity oh, <laughs> benefit. She got a letter from the Queen. That's really cool. She did. She got so many letters from the Queen over the years. It was amazing. Wow. So one of the benefits, which you've just mentioned there, which is obviously so interesting to people listening in, is about how eating better or eating healthier can benefit performance. And I think sometimes when we think of performance, we think of just athletes. We think of people in Team GB kit as opposed to everyday performance. So people chasing almost like a 5k goal and that type of thing. How does eating better help with performance?
0: Yeah, I think you're right. People do just assume that it's just for athletes. And I would say that drastic sports nutrition changes or a really a strict regime in that way is probably for your elite athlete. But for everybody else, it can definitely help with performance hugely. I think it's understanding the type of fuel that's required. Like you mentioned for a 5k, well, the main types of fuel you're going to need for that are carbohydrates and fat, or perhaps more fat when you dip into a 10k or, or you go for a longer period of time with exercise, because the first source of fuel your body will use and require is glucose, so the natural sugars and the energy that you get from your body from eating carbohydrates and starchy vegetables, all that kind of thing. And that's kind of stored around your body. If you imagine an invisible line around your body, it's like a layer of this glycogen that's ready to be released whenever you move. But if you haven't got that ready to hand because you haven't been eating well, and you haven't got those correct stores particularly on a, on a day that you're about to do something like a 5k you won't be able to tap into those energy resources and you won't be able to perform as fast and your brain uses carbs as well it uses this glucose this sugar it doesn't like having to use fats as an emergency it doesn't like tapping into protein and fats carbs are the preferred source of fuel so Basically, what I'm trying to say is if you hydrate and you eat well, you can get better PBs, you can perform better, you can beat your times, you won't get a delayed recovery the next day. It will be much easier to recover your muscles if they're fueled adequately as well as the performance.
1: It's confusing then why carbs have been seen such as the villain when actually there has been so many, many stories and there's so many people on weight loss journeys and they're using fitness to get there, whether that is running or that's another type of fitness, but yet they're not fueling that fitness correctly.
0: It makes no sense. This is what I find really, really bizarre. And it's actually the fact that I think it just preys on vulnerable minds as well, all these different Well, actually, if I set back to the beginning, there are research studies for and against everything. And that's really important to know. If you're a scientific researcher that's been paid by a huge company to promote a certain product, you will find the money and you will find a way to make a study look convincing. It is possible, unfortunately, to do that in some cases, especially with nutrition. Nutrition is really hard to research because a lot of it's observational or anecdotal from the participants. So it relies on someone to tell you accurately and recall what they've eaten every single day. And a lot of us can't do that. It, we don't weigh every single thing we eat, a lot of people, I hope, and we don't record how much water we drink. There's so many factors to consider. But the diet industry has really got a thing about carbs and it just makes no sense because it's lower in energy per gram than fat. It's the same as protein, it's four calories per gram, the same as fat, fats higher. It just makes no sense to me that it's the same as protein, fats are higher. It's really utilized by the body for everything. Every cell in your body needs carbs to function. And it's no wonder we all get brain fog when you give up carbs. I mean, I've tried it before in my life. I think everybody has tried to go lower carbohydrate at some point. It is sad. But I think there's also confusion, Amy, with the type of carb. You know, I I do... think that we do need to be reducing more of the high sugar type refined carbohydrates, perhaps our consumption of croissants, for instance. I mean, they, ha- they have a place. I know, I love a good croissant, but perhaps it's not the best fuel, whereas perhaps some rice would be a better fuel than a croissant, if we're, if we're looking at it like that.
1: I mean, I have just limited my croissant consumption because during lockdown, I did discover the frozen croissants, which you buy and you bake them at home and they went from being a weekend treat to I was finding myself that it was just so easy to put them in the oven and get out a fresh baked croissant 20 minutes later I'd put them in have a shower and I'd come out and it was like prep was in my house it was amazing (laughs) Um, but they've definitely become more of a weekend thing probably now is quite a good time to list off what is some healthy carbs especially for runners because you mentioned that actually if somebody is on a 5k training plan or maybe long distance that carbs are their friend.
0: Oh 100% and even actually just to say if you're a sprinter and in fact the type of fuel you require for a sudden burst of energy might be better to be a white pasta over a brown pasta or a white rice over a brown rice whereas if you've got a bit more endurance and you're running a little bit longer then that's when these complex carbs can come in. So for your listeners things like potatoes not sweet over white. They're both nutritionally the same, just to say apart from vitamin A, the beta carotene that you find in a sweet potato compared to the white potato, which may have more vitamin C. So they're pretty much the same nutritionally on a par. But then again, sweet potatoes have been hailed as this healthy go-to food. I've seen it online everywhere. Whereas The humble spud has been a bit neglected and I get it. Sweet potato tastes great. I do prefer a sweet potato, but they're good carbs, both of them. I would say all pasta is very good for runners, especially really good stored energy there that you can have. Again, if you're thinking about digestion, that's when it gets a little bit more complex of which type of carbohydrate. Rice, again, bulgur wheat, quinoa, pearl barley, basically all the types of grains a good challenge you could set your listeners is to try a different type of grain. There are so many out there yet we all stick to rice or quinoa and there are so many different grains out there on the shop shelves that are just waiting to be explored. Um, Even some vegetables, I wouldn't like to classify them as carbohydrates, but things like squash that I think are really, really good fuel for runners. They contain a lot of wonderful glucose that you can tap into for stored glycogen. But if you are increasing your carbohydrate intake or you're fueling up for a race, you need to drink a lot more water because to every molecule of carb, you attract four of water. So you need a lot more water to break it down and to store it inside your body and and amongst your muscles and your cells. So a lot of water, a lot of carbohydrates, and, and that's really, really going to help. But it doesn't mean neglecting the other
1: bits on your plate as well. I know that you don't like to put numbers on things at all, but is there a guide or a way that people can recognize if their plate has been put together well to fuel their fitness? So for instance, is it a case of that they should have like a hand of carbohydrate or?
0: Yeah, no, I love love that. That's, I think it's the simplest, it's a very simple way. It's not going to be spot on 100%, but it's a much better way of looking at your plate. So try and fill a balanced plate with, yeah, a handful of carbs, exactly. Maybe a flat palm, sized portion of proteins, two outstretched hands of veg, and maybe a thumb-sized portion of healthy fats. But of course, it doesn't apply if you're going to have half an avocado on your plate. Um, I would also classify avocado as a healthy fat for anybody listening. I know it's technically a fruit, but I would call it on your plate a healthy fat. And that's where nutrition does get a bit complex. It's never black and white. There's so many colors in the rainbow in between that, that really do create a good plate. But if you stick to getting all your food groups on there, I mean, you're onto a winner, I would say, really, with that.
1: Fab. And what about the flip side of it? So there's a lot of runners out there who are very lean, potentially naturally, or run a lot. And they have this attitude that they can eat whatever they want, because they run a lot and they don't gain weight. Should they have cause for concern in the long run? Or are they okay to keep loading their plates up, not how you've just advised?
0: It's so important, I can't emphasize enough, not to take your body size or shape as the gospel to how healthy you are. The insides you cannot see, your muscle quality, the functioning of your organs, how you process all your daily metabolic activities. There's so many things that need to be taken for account. Hormonal fluctuations, nutrition is vital. Even if you are on the smaller side, it doesn't mean that I mean, you might get away with it for a while just if you just want to eat a poor quality diet, but it's not going to enhance your daily life and how you feel and your outlook towards everything. And unfortunately, it does mean you may not live as long. It's not even just about the sports there. It's genuinely about thinking long-term. If you want to be a runner for a long time and not just for a short period of time when you're a certain age in your life, you definitely need to look at what you're eating because the quality of your muscles, the impact on your joint health, your bone health particularly, you know, especially for female runners as well with osteoporosis prevention of poor bone density because believe it or not, I know that running is a weight-bearing exercise which is good for growing and helping maintain bone density, But if you don't eat well, and you're not giving your body the right sources of calcium, and you're not getting any vitamin D or phosphorus in your diet, you're not protecting your bones. And they can become brittle. And running can actually wear down cartilage over time as well. I'm sure you've discussed this before in your podcast, Amy. It's it's so important you look after your body. Running's quite taxing on the body.
1: Do you find that you have clients come to you when maybe it's almost a little bit too late because they're coming to you with the the concerns of pain or, or aches or, you know, those type of things that actually could have been prevented by having a healthier diet earlier on?
0: Oh, it's so sad. It, unfortunately, it is It is the case. Some of it correlates with disordered eating or um, of extreme situations, eating disorders alongside running, which is actually quite common with sports, especially in the athletic world. But yeah, prevention is everything. And unfortunately, it's the last thing you kind of think about when you're fit and healthy. You don't always think about prevention because Why would you? It's often when something goes wrong in your life, like when you need to go to the doctors. You don't go to the doctors to query something, obviously, because they're so busy. You only go when you really need to go. And I do feel like nutrition's kind of the same. I feel like I'm a last resort, Amy, for everyone, (laughs) if I'm being (laughs) honest. I wish it weren't the case, but I do feel like sometimes it is the, oh dear, well, I've tried everything else. I probably should look at the diet now. That does tend to be the case. (laughs)
1: So you've just mentioned about actually you being the last resort. Over the years, we've had loads of communication around hitting 2000 calories a day, which people I know people have tried to do that to get a gold star or a big tick. But if that isn't working, is there a better way that we should be looking at our food or assessing our food?
0: Oh, completely. And of course, we have to have a rough guide in every nation as to how much energy we should be achieving a day just to keep people, like I said, at a state Free from illness and poor health. So the calorie guide is kind of a, a rough guesstimate, but it's definitely not going to be accurate to everyone. You're you're completely individual. And this is something I wrote a lot about in the fueling fitness ebook that we wrote at Retrition. And that's because even fitness apps, I know there are so many of them, but there's a 25% margin for error there. So it's not hundred percent accurate how many calories you could burn that you look at on a computer or a device or in the gym. You go to a gym and it says you've burned and X amount on a cross trainer or elliptical or whatever you want to call it. And actually, you don't know how much you're burning every day unless you work out your basal metabolic rate, which again is a very rough guide for how much energy you burn when you're just sitting doing nothing, basically. Just to keep you alive every single day, your brain uses tons of calories just to do that. You need to know your physical activity levels, which we abbreviate to call PALS. So you need to know your pals out there. (laughs) Brings me back to my days, you have to work out your pals, work out what you do at rest or how much you burn every single day. And that takes into account, you know, your height and your weight and your daily activity levels. And then use those two equations to work out your overall energy expenditure. And that's how much you're burning every single day. But the problem with focusing purely on this number, Amy, is that it doesn't take into account what your body needs from that number. So does your liver need a bit more support? Are you getting enough vitamin D and calcium for your bones within that diet? And the number's just such a small part of the equation for me, even when I'm working with athletes. Of course, I need to know a rough guide, but it changes every day. You know, they'll mix up the type of sport they're doing. They may do Pilates one day, they may swim the next, they may just go for a walk, they'll have a complete rest day.
1: So does that mean we should be looking more at and at the risk of sounding nerdy here, we should be looking at more the macros and the micros. And maybe we need to explain what macros and micros are.
0: Oh yeah, no, 100 a 100%. The word diet has been taken out of context and used as a form of weight loss, whereas diet means what you eat. Macronutrients, so macro means big and micro means small. So the smaller nutrients in your diet are your vitamins and minerals that you get, for instance, and the macros are the big components. So the carbs, the proteins and the fats Now, your metabolism, which is often misunderstood as being how much you burn, it's not. It's how you process food. So your metabolism has three different entrances. Your proteins go in, your carbs go in, and your fats go in. That process is very long and boring, which we won't go into on here called a Krebs cycle, which creates energy with those macronutrients, you also need those micros to nourish every cell in your body and to keep you fighting fit. You need that iron because your blood needs hemoglobin, needs to carry oxygen around your body. If you don't have the iron, that's that's definitely not going to happen. If you don't have the vitamin D, your immune system isn't supported in the correct way and your bone health is going to be influenced there. Perhaps cognition, if you don't get omega-3 which comes from your oily fish and your healthy fats. There's so many components to these big and little parts of your diet, which do impact running and performance. Because if you're not getting joint protecting omega-3, as well as looking just at your macros, your carbs and, and your proteins and fats, You're not doing yourself a justice, I think, in terms of looking at your performance related goals. So, yeah, there's a lot to it.
1: (laughs) So you've just mentioned a couple of micros which are often overlooked. Can we maybe dig into those a little bit more? So why is, say, vitamin D so, so important for people who exercise?
0: Oh, I guess it's important to understand what vitamin D actually does and how you get it, you know, from the sunlight needs to be absorbed by the skin to create the correct form of vitamin D, which is easily absorbed. And unfortunately, in the UK, everyone should be supplementing anyway in the winter months. And on top of that, if you are running as well, and you're burning a lot of energy, and there's a lot of impact on your body and your immune system, when we exercise, our immune system is suppressed. And that is in order to move blood flow towards the points of exertion. So often to refuel a muscle in a certain area to help excrete something. It doesn't need to be there to sweat at that point in time. Whereas when you're resting and you're going about your normal daily activities, that's when everything else can kind of function. So you need to keep your immune system really healthy. Now, you cannot boost it. That's a phrase that you hear a lot. And vitamin D or vitamin C is not going to boost it and turn it into overdrive. But it does help support that function. It's so, so important. And as a runner, I think that's so key. And then, of course, there's bone health. And vitamin D plays a role within that. Alongside people just think calcium. But as a runner, I can't emphasize enough how you want not just strong, healthy muscles. You need a strong, healthy structure to hold you up every mm. single day. Now I'm not personally a runner. You are Amy, I know, an avid avid runner and I'm sure you find sometimes that you really just you can feel it in your feet, the soles of your feet, you can feel your knees, I'm guessing quite a bit and they require a lot, don't they, to look after.
1: Yeah, and do you know what, I've actually recently had an experience of being vitamin D deficient oh. and I went to the doctor about I was having joint pain and this was actually during breastfeeding so I wasn't running at the time but I went with this joint pain and they ran loads of tests and actually I was vitamin d deficient and so I did supplement my diet with vitamin d and those aches and pains have gone away now I don't think that's random I do think they are both connected because nothing else changed
0: Oh, 100%. And even when breastfeeding, that's a huge extra amount of energy every day. And your baby will be taking all of your n- nourishment and nutrition, <laughs> leaving you with next to nothing. So we do recommend taking vitamin D when breastfeeding as well alongside because it's just it's exhausting and draining. So yeah, running and it is a sport and breastfeeding is just as exhausting, I think. So yeah, yeah it makes sense, Amy, to me. <laughs>
1: Another thing that um, popped up in my research when I was looking at things which are overlooked in a diet and maybe actually they could help people out if they knew more about them was fibre.
0: Oh, 100%. Yes. I mean, fibre people don't look at often as a nutrient in itself, but you need to time your meals and you need to get enough digestion in order for so many processes in your body to even work. As I mentioned earlier about blood flow being diverted away from other areas, the stomach is one of those and the digestive process in the gut, which is why you can get runner's belly, we call it. These things happen to digestive processes when you are an athlete or you're running a lot. And it's so important that you get the right fiber content in the food you eat right at the right time. Before a race, or with a period of time before, you want to keep your digestion moving nicely. fibers linked to interactions with the brain. So the gut-brain axis, if you eat the right type of fibre, you can feed different microbes that live in the bottom end of your digestive tract. And those inhale the kind of fibre, they eat it, and they give out gas as a byproduct. So unfortunately, sometimes this can go wrong when you're particularly stressed because you can give out a lot of gas. And if you're not eating enough fiber to push through a stool, equally you can get periods of diarrhea or constipation the other way. Fiber's linked to mood now, because if you get a right amount in and then your gut microbes eat enough, this is basically prebiotic food that I'm sure people have heard of pre and probiotics probiotics being live bacteria living that you're ingesting like in kefir yogurt whereas prebiotics come from fiber rich foods it's an incredible part of having a good diet and fueling your body as well for long distance kind of running is equally as important actually so fiber has a multitude of reasons to why it helps with running.
1: Such a shame that it's been seen as the unsexy thing for so many years, isn't
0: it? Oh, I know. I Honestly, it's kind of at the core fundamental that in the UK, we know that we do not get enough fibre. We don't even meet our fibre day target, which is low, let alone get enough of the fibre. In. And in other countries, in less developed countries, they actually have heavier stools. And we have lighter ones here. And a good diet and a good long-term health is linked to having a heavier stool. And that comes from having increased fiber consumption. So, yeah, we we need to work on it a little bit. Sorry to bring that into the topic.
2: (laughs) No,
1: that's absolutely fine. And another one which you actually mentioned earlier on and came up in my research was iron and about how important it is to have a decent amount of iron in your diet if you are going to go out and run a lot.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, iron deficiency actually is one of the most common deficiencies you can get from one of the micronutrients so our vitamins or minerals, especially in females, partly because of menstruation and also in teenage years, let alone if you're then exercising on top of that, because it plays a role with energy production. It's transporting oxygen around your body and it is going to keep you energized. If anyone has ever experienced about a bout of anemia or they have anemia they're having to supplement iron constantly you will know how fatigued you can feel how drained you can feel your lack of ability to concentrate you just feel like you need to sleep all the time it's quite debilitating and mm. iron deficiency can come what well, anemia rather can come in different forms it can also be a b12 deficiency just as much as an actual folate iron deficiency so there's two types and one's called pernicious anemia and the others just your regular kind of anemia that you'll experience. So you need to be looking into these food groups where you get your iron from. If you don't eat red meat, which is a very well-absorbed heme type of iron, you can get it from plant-based foods, but it requires a lot of support. And you need a lot of it, to, like lentils, for instance, is a good source. Some dried fruits, dried apricots, I believe, have some iron in them. Obviously, the green vegetables I wouldn't really count spinach as a good source. It's quite deceptive. If you remember the Popeye thing, you know, he'd pop a can of spinach and he'd pump the guns and it's <laughs> that's really not correct actually and not not cool the more I think about it. It's great he was advertising spinach for everyone, but it's not one of the best sources of iron for plant-based eaters. And you need to combine iron with vitamin C in order to help it get absorbed by the body. So for all of your listeners it basically means if you're having something green that contains iron put a bit of fruit with it or a tomato something that's going to help it get digested and if you're supplementing it should contain vitamin c or you should be told to take your supplement maybe with some orange juice just to help get it absorbed but it's crucial it helps you stay energized and get your oxygen
1: going so guys if you are in the camp where you are just mainlining or face planting a lot of beige food and you're wondering why you're feeling tired maybe start to look into those things that we've mentioned so iron fiber and vitamin d we yeah, mentioned
0: vitamin, we? D, vitamin b12 as well for some especially if anyone's a plant based runner yeah they need to get
1: some b12 in there cuz that's mainly just from animal products and should we move on to talk about protein i feel like Having a high-protein diet was seen as the pinnacle of healthy eating and potentially that's what a lot of people went after. However, are there benefits to eating high-protein for runners or should we be going back to what you said and looking at our plate and our diet as a whole and focusing on a little bit of everything rather than just one food group? Well,
0: yes, we should be looking at everything, not just one food group, but protein is a particularly important food group that you you definitely cannot be without. But it does seem like the sports industry hail it as the gospel of good nutrition. If it's high protein, it's amazing. That is just not the case. Protein, first of all, is very, very complex, actually. Protein is made up of little building blocks called amino acids. If you imagine Lego figures and trying to build a shape out of it, that's exactly what proteins do. And you get these different amino acids and different types of proteins, mainly animal products like chicken, fish, red meat dairy cheese yogurts they give you a complete protein so loads of good lego blocks basically loads of them you you love it you can get all the shapes but if you're only eating plant based then it's a little bit more tricky to get all the shapes and you need to know your protein you need to know how to combine foods to make a complete protein so classic is rice and beans go together because rice has an amino acid that beans doesn't have but beans has something that rice does not have therefore if you put them together Bingo, same as an oat cake with some nut butter. So protein is incredibly important for repair, for recovery of muscles. So if you tear a muscle tissue when you run, which we do all the time when we're exercising, you're constantly tearing down tissues, you don't want to be eating your own muscle. And protein is the last source of fuel your body really wants to tap into. And if you are tapping into protein to create carbs essentially basically it can create carbohydrate glucose out of protein but it takes a hell of a lot of energy to do that and it's not good for the body you want to be eating your carbs eating your fats to make sure your body has fuel to tap into before it gets to that state because technically starvation mode is when you start eating protein in the body it's a really last resort so you want to get it make sure your muscles are fueled they're raring to go and they can rebuild
1: themselves because I was about to say, actually, so what's the flip side of being protein deficient? Is it the fact that you can't repair and recover properly?
0: Oh, yeah. And it'll be a never ending game of injuries that are very, very difficult to repair and can really set back someone's entire career or love of sports or love of just getting out and going for a run. So you really want to be getting enough. It's, it's not worth it. And there's uh, research to suggest that frequently throughout the day. That's what you need to do to keep protein synthesis high. It's not enough to just have it after a workout. You need to be including it on that balance plate at your main meals every day.
1: Because there is that temptation, isn't there, is to think, actually, in my day to day, maybe my diet is lacking all of these things. So at this one time in the day, I am just going to chug on a protein shake or I'm going to wake up in the morning and I'm going to pop a supplement because that's going to deal with all the negatives that happen throughout the rest of the day. Yeah, it's just not that simple.
0: I wish, I really wish it were that simple, almost like a kind of Willy Wonka and, you know, magical thing for all of us that he's invented that keeps us all super healthy. But no, you can never replace the quality of nutrition you get from food with a supplement or pill. It can fill a gap and don't get me wrong, they definitely have a place. I'm a big advocate of certain evidence-based supplements. We need to have them. It is so helpful for people. But when it comes to sports nutrition, there's very, very few that actually have any robust evidence behind them. Protein shakes are convenient, but doesn't replace eating protein. And those omega-3s that you get that support every cell in your body is made up of those kind of omega-3 fats. You can only really get that from eating it. It's very difficult to take cod liver capsules every day. If you're plant-based, you can get algae capsules, but it's a lot of money, isn't it, to spend on supplements every day?
1: And so where would you suggest that people get it from? Have you got like your top snacks for amigas or your or your top meals which contain amigas? Oh, I love them. <laughs> People are good when you tell them exactly what they need to do. Right. Okay. Oh, I love being put on the spot like
0: this. Okay. Amiga snacks. Now, just so you know, amiga is not the only nutrient. There are tons, but we'll, we'll use amiga as an example because 60% of your brain is also fat. So you need those fats and glucose. So Salmon is the first really good, obvious one. Oily fish, mackerel, salmon, sardines. So maybe sardines on toast if you're old school and you love that type of snack. That could work. Get creative with your salmon maybe, with your toast in the morning again. Make it with an en croute kind of thing if you're making dinner that night. Snack-wise, I don't think fish is really a go-to for people... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't know how your household feel about the constant smell of fish. So let's go to plant-based options. I think that's going to be the best. Now, unfortunately, it doesn't convert in the same way in the body as versions of, that you get from the oily fish itself. It takes a lot longer and you need a bit more of it. But it is possible. So lots of nuts, seeds, um, nut butter on a banana. It's great. avocado. But only half an avocado is really a portion a day. So it doesn't go as far as you'd think. But it makes a good snack by itself Mm. as well. So you could make some kind of brunch bars, I suppose. You could do oats and you could grind down some maybe ground almonds and nuts and just mix that together with some dried fruit. And it's a good, high energy, healthy type of snack. Again, it depends on your activity that day, whether you require that snack or not. Try and get your Amigas in your main meals would be my top tips.
1: So let's talk about running, running on empty. I think there is maybe common behavior that happens amongst runners where we're either time poor. So we run out of the door without eating before a run or potentially we have a big meal the night before. So we get up and we run first thing thinking that our stores are stocked up from the night before. So I wanted to chat to you about that. Like, is that a good behavior to have or should we always be eating before exercise?
0: I've got to be honest, there is no way the body is that simple that it will cancel out what you've done maybe the night before. I think there's this, this common belief that, yeah, if you do maybe fasted cardio in the morning and you ate uh, you know, a big takeaway the night before, that that's going to magically undo whatever has been done the body just doesn't understand that type of dialogue it will have already absorbed the energy it required from the food you ate within that moment within the next 20 to 30 minutes will have made its way through your body it will start heading down to the digestive system and doing all its processes so regardless of if you do faster cardio or not it will have taken in those saturated fats or those salt or whatever you've chosen to eat and Enjoy it if you do that, but do know that what you do the next day is probably more of a mental health side of constipation rather than nutritional. I mean, if you're looking at fasted cardio, there's no research to suggest that it has any impact on overall weight maintenance, actually, or sports performance. What it does do is increase stress on a lot of people. Some people love running on an empty stomach, and if that's you, then that's fine, as long as you're fueling properly afterwards. But I would play caution and say depending how far, how long you run. If you do any weightlifting or anything as well as a run, then definitely I think you need some fuel. But a light run, there's no harm. You know, it depends how you feel. Again, if it becomes too much of a habit and you identify within yourself that this is more of a form of self-punishment, perhaps that can sometimes come into I think a lot of sports is about discipline and a way of control, just as much as food can go that way as well. Um, then I think that's worth looking into a little bit more, not to put it down on it all, but the basically fasted cardio, there's no research that it helps performance. In fact, it's, it has also shown that it, it makes it worse (laughs) that you're not able to go for as long on your run or enjoy it as much. So it's what works for you, but make sure you eat either before or after really well.
1: Because I know you're a big advocate of trying to cancel out the conversation of using exercise um, as a punishment for what you've eaten.
0: Yeah, yeah, 100%. A hundred, a hundred percent. I think we've almost been conditioned in society to believe that the only reason we should be exercising is to cancel out a food we eat or to maintain a certain weight, or yeah, as a form of punishment, or if we feel bad about ourselves. However, it should be seen as so much more, it should be seen about growing more cardiovascular system so every time you exercise you're helping your blood vessels you're helping oxygen flow you're helping create more blood vessels which is Mm. remarkable you live longer you help your heart which is a muscle your brain you feel good it releases happy endorphin type substances not quite endorphins but it's amazing what exercise can do and I do think Amy that like food, it's seen as a punishment or over-exercising is a, is a thing. It does happen, especially with people that that love it. Where, does, where do you draw the line?
1: And how do you think we can all then go about creating better relationships with food this year? Do you have any tips on how we can create healthier diets and a healthier relationship with food?
0: Oh, that's such a nice way to finish up. I think that it's important to really look at food as a source of enjoyment, almost with a gratitude type of pinch on it sometimes. And try and get a bit more social with it if you can eat at a table rather than in front of the TV, if that's you at home. And maybe I have a philosophy from Renourish with four R's. And I believe if you respect your body, and that means really thinking it deserves Tea. Enjoy everything. It deserves the chocolate. It deserves the veg. It deserves everything. That's a great starting point. The second R is refuel. So if you are exercising and you're working hard or you're studying for an exam, whatever it may be, you need that fuel in the tank. So don't demonise the carbs. You know you need all those food groups. Then you've got rehydrate as well, and that's so important. Your body is 60% water. Nothing will work well if you're dehydrated. Hydration is so crucial. I mean, to absolutely everything, how you feel, your mood, believe it or not. So always check the color of your pee, <laughs> make sure it's quite light, and then you know where you're at. And recover would be the last one. Allow your body to rest and recover. And that means your mind just as much as your physical health. I think it's having little acronyms or little little things that you can always remember and sayings or phrases or pillars of health, That, as long as it motivates someone or you know, you go easy on yourself when something's not been such a great day. You've always you can wake up tomorrow and you can try again, can't you? It's it's um yeah, nutrition is never set in stone. You can change it any day, any hour, any meal time.
1: That is the best end note for this podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. I feel like we've just taken a small chunk off what is a massive meaty subject. I hope you really, really enjoyed that, guys. I know we did jump around quite a lot, but it's because nutrition, there's just so much to it. If you want to hear more about nutrition, definitely head over to Rhiannon's website where you can also find a link to her ebook, which is called... A simple way to fuel fitness you can download it onto your phone I've got it on mine actually and it was the inspiration for today's show so go check that out thank you so much Rhiannon and take care and I hopefully see you soon when the world isn't so weird hopefully bye Okay, guys, you've heard this a million times, but please, please, please do rate, review and subscribe to this show if you liked it. It really does help other runners in need of some help find the show and join our community too. Don't forget to use hashtag welfare on all your IG posts because I love seeing them, especially when I can't be bothered to run. It gives me that motivation I need. Until next week.